I want to start with a quick question. Is this just me or sometimes, most times, maybe even 7.4 out of 10 times when you are driving in your car, doesn't matter where you're going, dropping the kids off at school, going to work, hitting up Ralph's, getting a little bomb me sandwich, but when you're driving, you arrive and you're like, wait, how did I get here? Does that ever happen to you? I'm not talking about the physics or the reasons. I'm talking about how you can just seem to completely forget. You can't remember. Did you stop at a red light? What was the color of the cars driving around you? You're just suddenly there. It all sort of fades. You get where you're going and you just kind of snap out of the daze and boom. You're like, oh, we're here. Like you're on autopilot or it's some sort of routine. I think about this. Late into the night, I think about this. I don't know what it means, so I do what you do when you don't know what something means. You Google it. You go to the experts. We all know the Google experts. It's the top three links. You never go past three links unless, of course, you're writing a paper and you're looking for citations. Then you can venture into four through seven. But really, you're just going one, two, and three. I went, there's a word, highway hypnosis. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I can work with that. So I'm starting to read about it, starting to get like, what is this? What's happening? It talked about how when you are going somewhere, when you're driving, the details and all that stuff seem to disappear because time shrinks. And I was like, that's way too mind-bending. I can't work with that. I went to the next link. And this is what this one said. It said your mind likes to take the things that you always do, that same route that you take, that same routine and all that stuff, and it just kind of lets it go. You don't need it, so it filters it away. So I'm sitting there thinking about this, and then I realize I'm spiraling now. I'm thinking about how do I put my shirt on? You, sir, do you remember? Did you put your shirt on head first? Did you put your arms through? I don't know what I did. I don't know how I remember brushing my teeth. Which tooth did I start with? Which foot shoe did I put on the right foot? How did you find your pew? How do you know this is where you stop? All of these things are happening, and I'm not aware of it. Maybe you are, but I'm not. And I don't know if time is shrinking or what is going on, because I'm like, are you breathing? Right nostril, left nostril, which one is breathing more? Is it the same? It's really hard. There's so much that we're just not aware of. It's kind of like we're just going through some rhythm of life. Patterns and things, and I don't know. I bring it up because we're in week four of our Ephesian study. And at this point, the Apostle Paul, well, he's in a good rhythm. I mean, this letter is cranking. We're in chapters 4 and 5, and he is showing us how to enter into God's rhythm, how to enter into God's way of life. And so far in the first three chapters, Paul has made us aware of all the ways that God is being God, how God the Father has chosen us, how in Jesus we have redemption, we have purpose, we have inclusion. How we have received new life because of this resurrection of Christ. How any effort on our part to somehow win our salvation has been done away with and we are given it on account of grace through faith in Christ. How Jesus has broken down every wall of hostility. How he is the church. How we are the church. We're learning how to pray and that we are rooted and established in this love. Paul is making us aware of all the ways that God is being God. And now, how we can participate in these ways. 
how we now have a life of participation in the being and work of God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear participation. Participation, not application. Application sometimes seems to suggest that once we know who God is and what He's doing, what He's up to, it's our job now to take charge and to get everything put into action. I think nothing could be more misleading for a Christian. For the Christian life doesn't start and end with moral behavior, but rather having been brought into this new life with Christ, our behavior allows us to give expression to the hope we have, to participate, or as Paul says, walk in the way of love to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So it's no wonder as you grab your bulletin and you look at that Ephesian text this morning, you see words like taught, put off, put on, be like, be kind, be compassionate, forgive, follow, walk. Walk in the way of love. Walk in the way of the Spirit, the way of Jesus. Each of these steps, each of these ways work together. And they never originate with the person who is walking, but rather they somehow connect us to the vine. And we have revealed and we have seen. And to quote Pastor Bob's guilty pleasure band, the Bee Gees, we learn how to use this walk. Our text this morning starts with the learning, right? You see it in verse 21 right there? It says, we're taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The stories of Jesus, what has been taught to us, revealed to us by the Father. Stories that were not just made up, stories that were not just figured out on our own, but they were given to us, are so much more than stories that we simply tell. Stories that we try to remember or understand. But rather, these are stories that make us aware. These are given to us so that we can absorb them into our lives, into our prayers. They enable us to read and to watch and to hear and to see what God does and then do it God's way. They radically reorientate our reality. But just like driving home, there's a danger that we've heard these stories before. We don't need to go over this miracle. We don't need to hear this parable again. We know it. But don't buy that lie. You see, we require a continuously repeated immersion in the revelation of God in the scriptures and in Jesus. It is the protection against the lies of the devil. And that is why for 2,000 years, we have been worshiping and gathering together. It's why we confess our sins and then receive absolution. It's why we sing hymns and praise songs. It's why we hear the Word of God, are encouraged by the Word of God. It's why we eat and drink at the table. It's why we come forward to be baptized. It's why we add to the family, the body of Christ. It's why we pray and why we hear that benediction at the end of every service. Because it is this reality, this livable faith, that even though it is familiar, even though the forms are things that, that we have done many times and will do again, it is something that we need for the rhythm of our lives, for the way that we are to walk in this 
life. And to hear it again and again because we are always in danger of Fleetwood macking it and going our own way. So we go back to what we have been taught, what we learned. We go back to the foundation. We go back to the gospel. Taught to put off the old ways of doing things, those routine ways of doing life, the things that lead us off the path, the sinful ways that have now become habits or hang-ups, ways that somehow shape our life to our own liking, shape God to our liking, so that we can constantly customize and change God and the way we want to live. As you read Ephesians and you go back and look at chapters 4 and 5 this week, following along in our reading plan, we are told to put off this falsehood, to not let the sun go down on our anger, to put off stealing, false talk, evil talk, the backbiting, the slander, the malice the grieving of the Holy Spirit, no longer walking in a way that lives for ourselves and focuses only on the me, but put off the things that have become so easily autopilot, the ways of behaving and thinking that are now routine, that we don't even remember that we've done or know that we're doing them. But before you jump to the conclusion and you say, oh, I've heard this one, don't do this, do that. Before you get, okay, change the routine, I'm going to do it, I can do this, here we go. Before I put on the new self, I want you to stop right there at verse 23. Do you see it? Made new in the attitude of your mind. Paul is reminding us that it's not just the actions, it's not just the motions, but it's the attitude, it's the heart, it's the mind. You have to be aware what you are doing, why you are doing it, and more importantly, you have to be aware of how you can do it. It's in the thinking, it's in the awareness of Christ Jesus, and only there where we can, for it is when we forget about Jesus and we are not aware that the trouble starts. And unfortunately for our friends in Ephesus, after Paul saying, I pray for you, I thank God for you, you're doing such a good job, we find out in Revelation that they have forgotten their first love. They were doing the actions, they were spurning the evil, but they had forgotten. Why? They had forgotten Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ alone is the one who renews, the one who makes new, the one who time and time again, who when you have found yourself on the wrong path, going the wrong way, who comes to you. See, we can try to crawl back. We can say that we know, we know what we're doing, we know what we should be doing, we should be able to do this, but we're going to find ourselves screaming out just like, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Why can't I? How come I can know, but I can't do? Why can't I stop this, overcome this? Why can't I conquer this? We've been caught up in the actions. Renew our minds. For our way of misthinking is that it is us who overcome. 
It is us who blaze the path of the way. It is us who lead. And when we find ourselves broken or lost, we shouldn't just try to pick ourselves up. Rather, we should cry out. We should pray, Lord, save me. Lord, I don't know the way. Lord, I am lost. As King David has cried, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew your spirit within me. Put on me a new self. Put on me you, Lord Jesus. It's why we baptize. We get baptized to receive what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, his actions. Knowing that the negatives of our lives don't define us, but rather his positive ones do. For he has put himself on us, completely covered us, created us new in true righteousness and holiness, marked us, given us his Holy Spirit, his pledge of our inheritance and the redemption to come. He has made us his own. Now we are good Lutherans and we know our catechism. We know the nature of baptism, the blessings of baptism, the power of baptism, and all that baptism indicates. But have you ever stopped to wonder, why does God want to baptize me? Why does God want to put his name on me? I think we can spend a lifetime searching for that answer, but I know for certain it's this, that he wants us to be aware. He wants us to be aware that our baptism, our salvation, is not just something that God does in his day and then forgets about it. He doesn't put his name on you, make you his own, and then just kind of go about it and get there and be like, oh wait, what did I do today? Who was that again? No, he wants you to be aware just how much he loves you personally. He is not embarrassed to get mixed up into your messy life. He is not embarrassed to walk with us, to stand beside us, to put his name on us. He simply gives himself to us so that we can be, by his Holy Spirit, constantly in his presence and he can make us personal participants in all of his work empowering us to be present to live and to be aware to notice to be kind to be compassionate to forgive he wants us to know that there are things that will be forgotten Knowledge will pass away. Kingdoms will change. What shoes you were or wore will change. How many thin mints you ate last week will go away. Thank you, Jesus. What car you drove. But you? He will never forget you. Your name is engraved in his palm. You are the apple of his eye. We are told that faith, hope, and love are the greatest things. But our faith will be seen. Our hope will be filled. But his love for us and our love for one another will last for all eternity. 
the way of love isn't something we get and then use as we'd like or some skill that we acquire to use and do as we please. The way of love, the way of the Spirit, that is the active presence of Christ Jesus in us, participating through us, living in and with us. That is the way. The way of walking in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our church. Aware of our worth in Jesus Christ and aware of our calling that we have received. For God uses us just as we are to give Him praise, to witness, to serve, to help, to heal, to care, and to love. Those are the things that are worth doing, worth being aware of. Because those are the things of Jesus. Those are the things that will never be forgotten. Those are the things that are livable and that we do in love. And so we walk, we walk in His way with our eyes open, with our hands out, ever ready to receive and to share, knowing exactly where we're going, knowing exactly how we get there, and knowing exactly who it will be that will be there waiting for us. Steadfast in love, died and rose for you. Amen? Let us stand together and confess this creed.